Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. As you know, we're coming out of a place of prayer, a specific time of prayer. And I believe a lot was accomplished. We're hearing testimonies of how things have changed. People are finding a difference, a difference about what's happening around them and beginning to do things differently and experiencing God in a new way. Just a word of caution about that. We haven't stopped praying, have we? No, let's keep that up. And if you discovered a new experience of prayer corporately as we were sharing in the prayer room for those 72 hours, then consolidate that and expand it, your, your prayer life, your life, personal devotion and praying together. But it's not only prayer that counts. Did you know that? In one of my books on prayer, I say prayer in the Bible is always prayer plus something. We very rarely find prayer on its own. It's prayer plus fasting, prayer plus giving, prayer plus faith, prayer plus action. And this is where we are now. There is a Holy Spirit prophetic and apostolic call upon us as a ministry to rise up to action, empowered by a new experience of God, empowered by a new place of rest in his presence. Our ministry comes from a place of rest. Last Sunday, there were about four brief messages preached during our, our, our Sunday services. Not one of them was a full message, but we put them all up for you. Ministering from a place of rest, knowing what it is to be healed on the inside, full of assurance that we are loved by God, we are the beloved of God, and we don't have to do anything to impress him or to win his favor. We rest in his presence. We rest in his unfailing love. And from that place, as Jesus said, come to me all you who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. From that place of rest, we are yoked with Jesus. And you know what oxen do when they're yoked together? They work. The ox is a animal, which is a picture of a servant. It's a picture of a worker. Not very far from where I live, there is an Anglican church with a beautiful name. I love it. The name is the Church of St. Joseph the Worker. <laughs> if we were Anglican, I'd probably call this church St. Joseph, you know, because Joseph, Mary's husband, was a servant. And he is a man who carried about, he'd never had a ministry preaching and teaching as far as we know. He had a great ministry, 
from the home and work. And, and, and we are all called to work for Jesus. If there was anything that I could do to ensure that every believer got this, I would do it. But it's, it's got to be a revelation of the Holy Spirit. God has called you to work for him. Huh. There was no amens in this house. I, I, I know why there was no amens. Because you know it, I know it, and I know you know it. You don't need to say amen to prove that you know it. But when you say amen, you affirm it. And so we are entering into a period, the last two weeks of September, reset, reconfiguration, looking at stuff together. We are going to serve the Lord. We are going to bear fruit for him. Oh, come on. Uh, you're okay. I'm just, I can't hear. Oh, I know why I can't hear people at home because I don't have sound feedback from there. I'm almost tempted to put the Zoom room on again just so we get a, a loud, strong amen. Put the Zoom room on, cut me off, and let's have a strong amen. Everybody in the Zoom room, switch your microphones on. Amen. 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 Oh, they're coming. Oh, they're the coming. bubbles are coming. They're coming. Okay, go back. It's too late. It's quite a technical thing because they've got to cut off one sound and on for another, but we've seen you. The point taken. Thank you. Now, so I kind of want to look at ways of helping you overcome whatever obstacles you have so that you will say, I am going to be the most faithful cell member of Kensington Temple's history. I'm going to come under training to be a cell leader. I'm going to win, consolidate, disciple, and send. I'm going to do everything, make, mature, mentor, and mobilize disciples. And this is the work that Jesus has commissioned me to do. And in Kensington Temple, we're organized in a certain way in order to do it together. Now, maybe I'll come back in a week or two and look at some other things. But what, what might be holding you back? Fear, maybe. Busyness. Inadequacy, failure. Oh, there are so many things that go on inside us. And I, I just want to help you with those things. Let us overcome every block, every stumbling block for us rising up together as a church of Jesus Christ for every one of us to become workers in his harvest field. Now, that will be through cell ministry, but uh, every our callings are going to be quite unique because we are called in lots of different ways to serve in lots of different places, but it's about coming together as a church to do this. So one thing I, I want to tackle right at the, right at the top and this is the barrier of brokenness. Many people say, I'm a broken person. I'm of no use. Now, you've got to get to know this. In the kingdom of God, brokenness is not uselessness. In fact, the only way to be useful in the hands of God is that if you are truly broken... 
before him, truly broken before him. And so I'm asking you today, many of us would accept we're broken, but I'm asking you today, is your brokenness a stepping stone or a stumbling block? I want to remove, help remove some of that. And we're going to need the Spirit's help. There's no doubt about it. Romans chapter 8 is a glorious passage of Scripture. Many seasoned soldiers of Jesus Christ, many prayer travailers, many prayer warriors, that is W-A-R as in war, not W-O-R-R-Y, worry. (laughs) Many of you will know the context. Romans chapter 8 is talking about no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. We have been saved and justified and we've been placed right back in the world, the broken world, the hurting world, with the Holy Spirit in our lives, who is the first fruits of the life that is to come. It is not just a hurting, broken world. It is, from our perspective, a hoping world. Hopeful. Because while we still live in frailty of human flesh and while it is still possible for us to be hurt and experience pain at every level, physical pain sometimes is, seems a little bit more acceptable in Christian circles. I don't know why. Proverbs 18, verse 14 says, a man's spirit, Proverbs 18, verse 14, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. What this is saying is that you're feeling good about yourself and you're feeling buoyant and robust. You can endure a lot of things. But if you are crushed and broken in spirit, though then you can hardly lift your head. I'm not pointing the finger here. I'm just saying we all have issues that we need to bring to God and make sure that our brokenness is before him so it leads to fruitfulness. To put it the way I put it in my title, that our stumbling block becomes a stepping stone. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. If you heard me on this before, you've probably heard me make this point. The first fruits of the Spirit are the first fruits of the new creation. The Spirit is God's gift of the new creation. And we have been renewed in the Holy Spirit while we live in the old physical creation. But when the Holy Spirit groans, he is groaning as in childbirth to release within us and point us towards the new creation realities. Sometimes the very pain and tribulation that comes to our lives from all kinds of sources. Now, God is not the troublemaker. The devil's the troublemaker, right? 
But God will allow certain things to come. And, and we know the devil tests us and pushes us to try and destroy us. But when God allows that to come into our lives and we turn it over to him, it makes us stronger and qualifies us for more glory, for more anointing, for more responsibility. And for more of this kind of voice, <laughs> when I want to emphasize a point, how wonderful. What the devil may have intended for evil, God intended for good. How amazing that all things do ultimately work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And nothing, nothing can destroy that. But a lot of it, friends, has to do with us understanding the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, godly brokenness, which is unto the Lord and fruitful, and that kind of brokenness that leaves us paralyzed and ineffective. And I want to help you with that today. So the Spirit, it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's very, very good. Now, many of you entered into the time of prayer and came back and said, you know what? I like it. I felt God's presence. And because when you step out to do what God wants you to do, he will always be there to see you through. And even today, wherever you feel weak, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And it goes on to apply that to prayer. But if we stop there, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So stop there. Amen? Drink that in. God's going to help you. So how do we uh, get fruitfulness out of brokenness? Let's have a look at some of the things that we have in mind when we are vulnerable enough to share with one another that we feel quite broken. There are sometimes it's the brokenness of weaknesses that we experience, our own mistakes, failures, hurts, inner wounds, loss, spiritual attack. And so we, we may be carrying some of this today. I want you to go back to Psalm 51, verse 17. And see if we can get some secrets or some revelation about this. Now, Psalm 51, many of you will know, is the great confession psalm of David. I've sinned against you and you only. David had sinned badly. You know about his adultery and what amounted to murder, to cover up. Now, inside, David was a struggling man. And Nathan the prophet confronted him, and he brought all this out into the open before God. And so his problems, guilt, struggles now are sacrificed to the Lord by experiencing a truly 
biblically godly broken spirit. All right. Now, many, many things in life can bring us to the point of internal brokenness. There is a whole industry of pop psychology and even mainline psychology that has helped us, I think, to a large extent to understand the fragility of the human personality, especially in the early years of its development. And many of the personality disorders which are characterized as personality disorders, many of them can be traced back to difficulties in early childhood and early teenage years and so on. And common sense tells us, our own experience tells us, that sometimes we've gone through things that have hurt us and hurt us badly. And sometimes we've responded in ways and during seasons in our life when our life values and personality is being developed so that we carry some of these hurts well into adulthood. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is your burden bearer. He is your guilt remover. He is your shame banisher. And he is the one who will transform your life and heal you from the inside out. We can see where David's inner pain was coming from. He was guilty. But it doesn't mean to say that everybody who is struggling on the inside, it's because they are guilty of committing murder, adultery, or some other heinous crime. Many people are purely innocent victims of abuse, of being sinned against in one way or another. But the hurt on the inside is the same. So don't th think that I'm saying you're suffering because you've committed sin. D David was, but that's not everybody. Now, also, the key thing here was that David was coming to repentance. And this was a work of the Spirit in his heart. Restore within me a right spirit. Give me a willing spirit on the inside. And this prayer was from the heart. Therefore, it's a work of the spirit. This prayer was related to God. It was Godward. Therefore, it's a work of the spirit. Listen, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And a contrite heart. You've got to read the whole bit. And this is where we just need to go a little bit further in our relationship with Jesus. Because we can come to a place, and I know many of them, many people, and myself, various times in my life, when I can say, oh, if the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, I qualify. But I go from that place, and maybe you recognize this in yourself and others, go from that place of coming before God, and, and we go and we start complaining, why, Lord, why me? And those are good questions. 
And so we end up in worldly sorrow, worldly brokenness. I want to tell you, perhaps, well, certainly at the level of depth of spirituality, uh, some humanist therapies do help certain people for a certain length of time. But we're not talking about patching up the old life. We're talking about living in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ that transforms your heart and your life forever. So worldly sorrow will lead to despair. It will lead to anger. It will lead to frustration. It will lead to more brokenness. And I want to exhort you today, realize that there is a way of stepping out of perpetual brokenness and to be healed in the presence of Jesus. Yeah, well, how can that happen? Is God going to come into my life and undo? No, 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 no. He's going to redirect. So your suffering and your pain and your brokenness, you turn it to the Lord and say, Lord, I offer this as a sacrifice. I am a broken of spirit, but I am more to the point, contrite of heart. Oh, what is this? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Now, what does it mean? A contrite heart. You come to the place, dear friends, and those of you who've not grasped this, maybe maybe you have not yet stepped into the life of Christ and given your life to Christ as a disciple of his. This is what will do it. This is what will make the difference. Is when you recognize out of a broken and contrite heart your total dependence on God. Total dependence on God. What do I mean? I mean that without him, you are nothing, you can do nothing, you will know nothing in in terms of your Understanding and relationship with God. You can be full of worldly wisdom, but it doesn't help you in your relationship with God. There is nothing that you can do to offer to God as a reason why he will accept you. Too late. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so you come to that place when you say, I cannot atone for my own sin, but thank God, He has sent a savior who died on the cross for my sins. And I put my trust in him. Don't ever move away from that. All over YouTube, there are people pulling you away, worldly people pulling you away from that and even believers who should know better. We go to the cross, we bow before the cross and we remain at the cross. There is no other place to be other than at the foot of the cross. And so from that, we will go to the experience of the apostle Paul, uh, 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 the book of Romans chapter 7, verse 24. Some of you will remember this. Maybe some of you have worried about it. And say, Paul must have been a very crazy man. He's full of self-loathing, self-doubt. And you know, I've got a better self-image than him. Paul, you need to grow up. Actually, it was an important step 
in him coming to Christ, which we all go through. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Two things. He recognizes that without God in his life, he has nothing. He tried his very hardest in religion to do it, and he, he ended up nowhere. He knew that if he was going to be saved, it had to be God. So when he says, who will deliver me? This is him saying, as he is approaching becoming a Christian, who is going to help me? Who is going to help me? Who is going to deliver me? Let me pause and aside here. I want to say this with all the clarity God gives me. You do not know if there is somebody in your workplace who is sitting at the next desk to you or is in the next frame in the Zoom room who for all of their outward appearance is not crying out on the inside, who shall deliver me? And you need to say his name is Jesus. Somebody did that for Paul, and he placed his trust in Jesus. Now, Jesus taught this uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. I just go through the, those first blessed attitudes very, very quickly. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is poverty of spirit? We have an old song that says, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Amen? We have, we can do, bring God nothing that will gain his favor. If he is going to favor us and love us, it's going to be his choice. But good news, he has done that already. He loves you with an everlasting love. When we recognize our spiritual bankruptcy, that's when we say, I now can depend upon the riches of Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Yes, the sort of said, God, I can't do it. I ought to have done it. And you know, I feel bad about that, but not in an old uh, worldly way of brokenness, but a new way of brokenness that leads to dependence and healing and life in Jesus' name. That produces an attitude of meekness and they will inherit the earth. It will make you hungry for God and thirst for righteousness. In order to be satisfied, it will make you merciful, as Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If ever there was a word for our generation, it's that one. You know, one of the reasons why sometimes some people find it difficult to move out of brokenness into wholeness is because there are people pointing the finger at them and holding them to account to the point of saying, you have no right to be happy. You do, don't deserve anything. And they put more and more shame on you. If anybody's doing that to you, then I say shame on you, not you, but them. Because he comes to lift our shame away. Now then, um, uh, uh, some ways we hold on to it is through victimhood, uh, not accepting our responsibility, self-pity, or holding on to unforgiveness and venge vengeance. But that, that, that's another matter. Still, even when we're struggling to want to come out of this, somebody will always hold us guilty. And for whatever reason, whatever reason, they will hold us to an unpayable debt, a debt that they couldn't even pay themselves. They hold us to vengeance and hate. Here's a good principle of life. Listen to those critics 
who mean you well. Ignore the critics who mean you the opposite, who mean to do you harm. There are some people you wouldn't be able to change enough in all of a hundred lifetimes and they will still be down on you. You better get your blessing from God. You better get your self-image from God. You better get your healing from God for it's not coming from those people around you. We can help, we can minister, but there are always people who will tear you down. But God will always build you up. Give him a praise in this place. So this wretched man that I am is not self-loathing, self-hatred. It's God-centered because this godly sorrow points in the direction of God. And this is the foundation of a healthy and healed personality. Coming out of brokenness into fruitfulness means acknowledging your hurt, acknowledging the stuff that has happened and that could perhaps be a barrier to you, but bringing it to God and saying, God, I sacrifice this, offer this up as a sacrifice, my hurt, my pain, my brokenness, but I mix it with something else. I mix it with a contrite heart, which says, I can't, but you can. So the way out is to begin with repentance. And repentance is a change of attitude. doesn't mean to say you've done something terribly wrong, but it's like reorientating your heart to God. Bring it before God. Turn your heart toward Him. Receive His forgiveness where you need it. Give forgiveness where it's needed. Speak mercy. Speak mercy. Mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. We need mercy. And that will lead to restoration. It will lead to a healed heart. One of the things that I have discovered over many years is that hurt people hurt people. That they hurt themselves and others. Don't let anybody talk you into making a life profession out of perpetuated brokenness. Bring that brokenness to the Lord and live in a perpetuated spiritual, healthy sense of brokenness before God in which you say, God, I owe it all to you. I can't, but you can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but it doesn't come from my own energy and ability. And as you yield that to the Lord in the spirit of grace and forgiveness, you will be amazed at how the Holy Spirit will bring healing in your life. And gradually, over the years, there's a repair going on in your life. I don't know how many of you watch television in lockdown. This is not uh, a trick question. Anybody see that television program, The Repair Shop? Hmm? Well, go look and get a, get a, a, a glance at it. So these people bring valuable things, often with sentimental value, rocking horses, um, all kinds of uh, furniture, and um, even old musical instruments. 
And it's like precious. It was grandma's or great grandma's and they kept it there. And it's in such a state of disrepair. They bring it to the repair shop and there's a remarkable set of highly skilled people who really care about restoring these objects. And then there is the, the people coming in with, you know, all this covered up and then they expose what they've done for restoration. And even you, though you've watched the process, you gasp in amazement at how beautiful some of these old objects, which were past, more than past their sell-by date, have been so beautifully restored. The Holy Spirit has you in perpetual repair. Everywhere you go, he's working. I nearly said tightening that loose screw, but that has a, that has a different connotation. Healing that hurt wound. Restoring the fractured image of Christ, bringing you more and more to be who he called you to be, healthy, whole, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. And until we get to the final destination, when there will be the final manifestation of our lives so resplendently looking like Christ, we're on a journey. Be patient with you, yourself, be patient with others, but never Never get stuck at the level of bondage, of worldly sorrow. Always lift it up to Jesus in the spirit, but with his help. Amen and amen. Yeah.